Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Fox Sports Radio. 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 All right, here we go on a Friday into a Saturday, straight into Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell. You know, I love July because during the football season, you know exactly what you're talking about. Auburn, Alabama. Tomorrow, let's say we're talking Auburn, Alabama. I was on with the Gormans earlier right here on Fox Sports Radio. And great guys, the Gormans. And we spent about eight minutes talking about how many kids were in my high school class, 72. Steve Gorman had 12 kids in his high school class. Now think about this. 12 kids in his graduating class. And then we figured it out. 12 years later, his band played Wembley Stadium, open for the Stones. So, I mean, think about it. Anyone playing Wembley... Right, opening for the Stones, you know, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? But imagine if you graduate with twelve kids, and then you're hanging out with Mick Jagger, hmm, unbelievable. So we won't have anything that interesting, perhaps the Mick Jagger stories, but we'll get to talk about a lot of topics and conversational stuff that we don't often get to. I'm looking forward to it. Showtime. So the Vegas lead started developing today. I actually know the time, six twenty-eight Eastern time. <laughs> okay, because I was doing a show on uh, Sirius XM, just one channel down on Mad Dog Radio, and I look up and I'm like, "Oh, Des Bryant is flipping out about something." This is unemployed wide receiver with a label as a malcontent, Des Bryant, flipping out on Twitter. So eventually, I want to get to, "Hey, does this affect his stock?" Does it drop even more? Do people want to stay away from him? But here's the story, RJ. Here's what happened. An interview, quotes from an interview were sent out 
by SiriusXM on the NFL channel. And we'll get So to, this was an interview between... This was an interview of Stephen Jones on SiriusXM NFL on their training camp tour. And Stephen Jones said this. He was talking about Dak Prescott. Dak is working on his game and accuracy. He has to trust the system. I think that was tough last year with Des Bryant in his ear. I think he'll have the year he had in 2016, if not better. That was sent out, and it was tagged to Des Bryant, and he didn't take it well. No, serious tag Des Bryant. They tagged Des Bryant. Okay. Well, I got to be honest with you. That seems a little much. I'm not. I'm not at all excusing the reaction. Mm-hmm. But boy, you're going to blame. So, if anything, that's an indictment of the Cowboys of Jer of, of the Joneses, because if they're saying that. We're going to talk about how well our quarterback did last year. Let's think. Let's actually interpret what's being said here. We're going to critique how well our quarterback did, and then we're going to explain away any drop off hmm. because a player we chose to have on the team was acting in a way that apparently is the main factor on how the quarterback did. Well, if that's true then why in the heck was he on the team? Cut him. So, wow. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, you know, in hindsight, we actually heard Des Bryant might be a malcontent. Well, yeah, we know, right? You certainly know you've been. I mean, imagine the scenarios over the years that Des Bryant hmm? has has caused trouble with the Cowboys. But it's the Cowboys' way. They embrace malcontents. So oftentimes they bring them in, and I don't think they factor in the problems that malcontents and create. No, I think that's certainly true. I mean, so whose fault is it? Well, whose fault could it be other than the the, the people making the decisions, right? The yep. cowboy. If there is fault to be uh, spread around, applied, then it's certainly. But let's zero in more specifically mm-hmm. to whatever degree the let's say uh, imperfect intangibles of Des Bryant has been a factor over the years. If it was such a factor last year, that that's the number one reason your quarterback didn't do well, then you, it's either your fault or it's BS. It's what, one or the other. What do you think is the real number one reason that Dak Prescott, and if you look at his numbers, he went down. Uh, he basically just didn't. Uh, he threw a lower completion percentage, threw for about 300 less yards. He threw more interceptions, nine more interceptions. What's the glaring reason? That his production went down. Who was gone for six games? Zeke Elliott. I that think... team is built around the running game. Everything opens up for a guy who's who's a a safe but not explosive quarterback like Dak, uh, Dak Prescott with Zeke Elliott around. I think that is a fair headline number one reason. I think there's one other reason for sure. Prescott dropped off production-wise in year two, and I think there might be a third. So here's the second. Quarterbacks that are not drafted high are not drafted high for a reason. There's often a physical limitation because we see all the time guys that you're thinking and the Wyoming quarterback this year is a great example. No one thinks this is a polished quarterback. You know, Allen's ready to go. No. What they think is, boy, if everything falls exactly right, then – this guy's got all the skills to make all the throws. 
right? There's no throw he can't make. As much as Russell Westbrook or <laughs> there we go, we're going to the NBA. As as much as as we go through various quarterbacks, it might be a height issue in Seattle, or it might be an arm issue, or it might be an intelligence issue. All these quarterbacks that go late, it's usually because of a limitation. Mm-hmm. And even when those limitations or even when those quarterbacks do better than expected. So no one would expect Prescott drafted in the fifth round, right? Third. Third? It wasn't the third. All right, let's look. We can look that baby up. But uh, it certainly, whatever, it was a later round. And when he was drafted, no one could expect that he would start his rookie year. And the performance in the two years far exceeded expectations, even if somehow you knew he was going to start, right? But it doesn't change those limitations were there. So what happens? And this actually is a great segue to some really danger quarterbacks, I think, this year. By the way, split the difference on the pick, fourth. He was number 135. And before you make your point, to me, his limitation is he's a guy who's not effective beyond 15 yards. He's a caretaker quarterback. That's why his percentage is high. Dump off, check downs, tight end, you know, receivers in the uh, in the slot. And that's why Des Bryant's production went down because Des Bryant is not really a go across the middle guy. He's a go down the field and create space. So which round was it? Fourth round. Fourth round. Okay. Yep. So let's say that if you look at the field and said, okay, he's not going to throw to this corner or that. If they're on the right hash, he's not throwing over there. Mike Lombardi talks about this. When you have a quarterback that's not expected to play and you're playing 16 games in 17 weeks, teams just don't have the time to look as closely as they want to to find out where's the limitation. And usually that second year of playing, it's like, okay, we're going to give you this because we don't think you can make that throw enough and we're going to take this away. And it's almost like that first year, it's your best against them playing generic Ds, and it's easier for a quarterback's best against the generic D to succeed. In year two, they take away your best, and now you've got to have a second superior way to approach the game. And, I mean, think about the RG3. RG3 had a clearly better rookie season. It's not even a debate than Andrew Luck. He had one of the greatest rookie seasons in the history of the NFL. And I get it. We could say, well, he hurt his knee and and his physical abilities dropped off and that was his differentiator. Okay. But also there's a reason he wasn't, you know, the year before his great last year in college that people weren't talking about RG3 being some great NFL prospect. The league talked themselves into it, and boom, his his best stuff against generic Ds, awesome. But when he had to use his second best stuff, it didn't work. you got to wonder, now where is this at? Jared Goff? All right, and I get his rookie year doesn't even count. He played a good full <laughs> season, yeah. and I know you love the boy genius, and you have you have pictures and stuff in your wallet. Absolutely. I mean, that's fine. No Screensavers of Sean McVay, sure. Exactly. On every computer. But here's the thing. If anything, I think 
Goff is more susceptible to this second year of playing regression at a quarterback. And here's why. What did the boy genius, what did McVay accomplish? He said, I'm going to put you in situations where your limitations are not going to be as problematic. Right. Well, if the defense, it's, it's now the defense's move. If the defense is able to say, well, we're going to take that away and force you to do something you're not comfortable with, it's going to counteract what McVay accomplished. I'm actually expecting a significant drop-off from golf. So to wrap up on, with the Cowboys, I think, hey, it's a limited quarterback, quite frankly, that the league had a second year or a full offseason to look at, and they took away a lot of what he could do best. Des Bryant reacted to Stephen Jones saying, hey, Des was in Dak's ear. Essentially, I guess the inference would be he was distracting him. Des That's Bryant- not an inference. That's clearly saying, hey, he had a bad year because Des Bryant was in his ear. Des Bryant said, here we go with that scapegoat blank. He also said, don't put it on me with that bullcrap, garbage-ass play calling. He said, Jerry Jones is clueless. And then he also said... Uh, not happy with the traitor, the snake, Sean Lee. Called him a snake. Well, listen, I I think Jerry Jones, you could spend a, an entire show talking about the great things he's done for the league. I think you could spend an entire show talking about the things he's far from perfect at, Jerry Jones. But by all accounts, he's a player's, a player's owner. Like you've never seen. There's like a cowboy family. So the idea that you, you're finally let go and you got paid tens of millions of dollars and you're going to, I get responding to that comment, but now you're going to attack the owner that, that's, that from all accounts is the ultimate player's owner. I think Des and a lot of people feel like the Cowboys dragged their feet on making a decision and released him too late. Was it based on the, was it legal what they did? Of course. So we're back to this idea and we talked about it last week. The owner's have to follow the rules, and if they follow the rules, sometimes they're wrong. But the players don't have to follow. Oh, you got a contract, Le'Veon Bell? Well, I, maybe I got a contract, but it's not fair. I'm going to make up in my head some reason it's not fair because I shouldn't get franchised again, so now I'm not going to show up. Uh, come on. So two other things we need to address, and we're up against it now. Two other things we need to address. <laughs> with these comments, because this went on, it was a tweet storm or like nine tweets. He flipped out. He's going at uh, people responding to him. The Browns are kicking the tires on Des Bryant. Should the Browns be interested in Des Bryant? And here's the other one. Ready, RJ? Sirius didn't send out the entire quote. They didn't send out the entire quote. So I think we have to look into that. And maybe you'll feel bad for Des a little bit. Maybe. That's coming up. Straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. R.J. Bell, Steve Cofield, looking at things from the Vegas angle. I want to talk about the Cowboys season in general in a couple of minutes, but let's get back to the uh, Des Bryant story as he just exploded on the Cowboys on Twitter. By the way, on the strip right now, it's 1120 <laughs> Pacific, 101 <laughs> degrees. Yes. And the neon, well, it's still burning. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it, that neon. It doesn't melt. 
It now, doesn't melt. before we get in, I, that was a great tease. So you're saying that the quote that was put out that Des reacted to maybe wasn't the whole story. It wasn't the entire quote. So Stephen Jones was doing an interview on Sirius XM NFL radio, and the quote that got out was, uh, Dak is working on his game and accuracy, has to trust the system. I think it was tough last year with Des Bryant in his ear, and then it just moves on from there. He actually said with Des Bryant in his ear, Jason Witten in his ear, that changes the whole quote. So the what was released wasn't the audio, but it was a transcript? The audio was there, but if did you they didn't edit, listen to the audio. They, okay. They, they had the audio there, yes. and they had excerpts. Yes. Boy, then I don't think you can... I, I mean, come on now. Is like, let's say, and I think the herd's been doing a great job of this. We're obviously the herd's on three hours a day, right? Now you can watch, listen or watch that whole three hours, or you can do the best of podcast, which is usually 50, 52 minutes, or you follow the herd on Twitter at the herd, and you're getting maybe three to five clips a day in which it's like, this is the four minutes. Uh, three different ver- instances that was really compelling. But what they do now is this kind of new, and I love it, whatever the key quote is from that couple minutes, they'll put it in the tweet body, and then you can read the quote and decide, do I want to really engage and listen to the whole couple of minutes? And so if they actually had the full audio and they quoted an excerpt, then how can that be deceiving? Because Des didn't follow through and actually listen to it. So that's not deceiving. That's him deciding to not actually yeah. listen to what he's reacting Which to. Which is a lesson for everyone on social media. You got to dig a little deeper when you're reading stuff. And for athletes, listen, you guys are the ones who like 10 years ago when this start uh, stuff started exploding, who said, you know what? Good. We can put our comments out and you're not going to screw us over. And I remember saying what, at the you're time, saying we're the talking me- about athletes, talking about media. The media is not going to screw us over. We get to go right to our fans, right to our viewers, whatever. And I remember saying at the time, guys, we actually filter some of your stuff. And you know what? Even further, we actually ask you follow-up questions. So if that was Des Bryant in a media scrum, someone in the media scrum would have said, no, no, no hold on a second. He also said Jason Witten was in his ear. Calm down. But now that doesn't happen because now athletes are reacting straight off of social media. Steve Cofield getting worked up. We got a shooter. I mean, this <laughs> it's like this is the most we're, we're almost a year in a straight out of Vegas. And you you just you're media. You know, it's fine. Here's, I don't here's the thing. You, you and I are have, media. You and I have this discussion all the time. There's stuff that we do that is not cool in the media. Don't say we, when you say you. I'm going to say I'm going to say we there is. I will criticize the media on certain things. But there is another side to it. Everyone is not bad in the media, and there's actually media out there that will help athletes. Now, speaking of the herd, I think, and you know, one of the things Colin does that some people really like and, and other people don't is he approach almost like a Malcolm Gladwell type sociological, like, well, I'm seeing you know, this is maybe causing this and that. And listen, no one, no one, because there's professors at Harvard and professors at Stanford disagreeing on these things. So there's no like right answer, at least one that we know for sure is right. But he's talked about where most people, if they grow up by 30, that's probably pretty good. And when I say grow Grow up, up, okay. Yeah. When I say (laughs) grow up, I mean, 
you're not making the stupid, stupid mistakes. When do you think you grew up? Uh, I'll tell you when it happens. Now, <laughs> I'll tell you this, all joking aside. Eh? Eh? I mean, I probably didn't grow up till I was like, I met my wife 12 years ago. I had gone relationship, relationship. And I was in, a, quite frankly, I've never had a straight job. I've never for one day had a boss. I mean, in, in high school, I was playing cards. I was betting sports. I was making... I was making an absurd amount of money betting sports back in high school because the the bookmakers were using the line from the newspaper, right? So I was calling up the score phones. So this this is actually like, man, if I could go back in time and bet bigger. But so the book, <laughs> my bookie was out of Pittsburgh, one of my outs. This is back, I mean, 80, 86, 87. And pretty young. <laughs> 86, 87. I started bet when I was 14. Okay, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so, you're not much younger than me. I was, I was young in 86, 87. I was betting when I was 14, yeah. but when I was 16, I was betting $300 a game in 1980s money because I was winning. So what, imagine I start betting 55 and I win a bunch. What mm-hmm. am I going to do? I'm going to start man. betting 100. And now you look back and you're like, oh, man, I didn't realize the gravy train was going to end with the, the dumb bookies. I should have been betting more. Think about how great this was, though. The line would come out at 6.30 Eastern. And you had to have your your bets in by seven thirty. So the bookie was only open for an hour. He, you know, maybe had fifty guys. Remember, really? you had to, everyone had to call and get the rundown. Now there's the white label website, so everyone just goes up on the web. But imagine on a Wednesday when there's eighty basketball games, the bookie had to read eighty lines to thirty or forty people, right? That he had calling in. I mean, that was the case pre-internet for everybody. How else would you do it? So you had someone read you all the lines, and then how long do you take to process? Well, you would get the lines as early as you could, so right. let's say 6.30 or right. so. And then you had – the lines wouldn't change, though. That was the key. Because how would you do that? Right. Because now you call <laughs> back up 20 minutes later Sorry. to place your bets. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, let me give you another rundown. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but so what I would do, oh, man. this is even before so you're the, potentially betting stale numbers. Oh, beautiful. So I would have like eight or nine games I liked. Right. And let's just say on a big Wednesday, then at 720. So about 10 minutes before I had to get it in, I would call the score phones. There used to be the guys and, and it, they would always like give you a big advertisement before and scream, sell your house, sell your car, sell your kids and bet this game. So you listened and then finally, you got the information, and they would run down the line. So they were actually paying for a Vegas line service to have an updated line. What I would do is look at my eight games and say, if the line is a half, moved at least a half point to my favor, that means the steam's coming, or at least some action was coming in, but I still had the old number. So maybe three to four of my games would move in my favor. Those are the three or four I'd bet, and I wouldn't bet the other games. And he didn't stand a chance right? in the long term. I mean, right, you might lose. Right. So uh, you can't get that anymore. <laughs> you can't get that anymore. But, um, yeah, times have changed, no doubt. So well, let, let's look at this Des Bryant story from his standpoint now. He's unemployed. He's got a reputation. He has this flip out. Luckily, it's on a Friday. That's Believe me, it's a big deal, folks. Three-day news cycle. People forget. He needs a job. Do you think there's teams? The Browns were looking at him. Do you think there's teams around the league who are like, all right, that's it. He hasn't changed. Or or do you look at it and you're like, that's Des Bryant. So if we liked him before this tweet storm, what the hell's the difference? That's his brand. That's what he does. Which I think segues into, in, in my bookie story, got us a little off track. 
in a Collins point about when you grow up, right? And what ended up happening, I mean, just to use my life for an example, because I never had a boss and I had, uh, you know, I was very lucky and still am to have a core group of friends I grew up with and a couple of them moved out to Vegas with me. So I had a support system around me. I didn't really have to challenge myself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what, it, what makes a person grow up? Back in the day, it was go to the military, right? I mean, think about from, uh, I mean, we could go back to WW1, but I mean, think about from 1940 mm-hmm. through 1975, what percentage of men in this country went to the military? A big percentage. And because there was wars going on a big chunk of that time with a draft. So w- obviously the military is going to make you grow up. If you get married, and uh, you have a wife that, uh, you know, we're talking about from a guy's perspective now, who you are trying to live up to in a way where they're saying, hey, this is the way things should be. Well, usually the guy's like, oh, I want it to be the way it was, you know, when I was 18. It's like, oh, it can't be. And then that first kid comes and then you're grown up. All right. So I think that's another way. Or jobs. You, you get an opportunity. You're interning. You know, you graduate from college. Mm-hmm. Now you're interning at wherever. New York Times or whatever field you're in, they're not going to put up with your shenanigans, right? So you grow up. Well, I had none of that, right? So until, you know, I would go for, you know, I would usually have about 18 months long relationships. That's how long it usually, like crazily, it was like between uh, 14 and 20 months, like every time for year after year after year. And they weren't challenged or they weren't, let's say, forcing me to grow up. I didn't have a job. I was my own boss, and I was in the military. So I'm not sure, you know, I didn't grow up much, quite frankly, between 21 and, and 35. But then I met, you know, my, my eventually, eventually to be wife, and it was like, no, it's got to be this way or I'm out the door. And it was the first girl that I was like, wow, I want to live up to that. And then when, you know, pregame.com started, I was only, I mean, I was 35. I mean, I was out here playing cards and betting sports full time before I started the site. And listen, when you run a business, people always say, well, you're your own boss. If you're actually running a business, it is by, I would, I would so much rather have one boss. I got to please than have to please the marketplace. Cause when you own the business, you've got everything's your responsibility. So I think that combination of starting a business and getting, uh, or, eventually getting married to someone I was trying to live up to in some ways, that, that made me grow up very fast. But i tell you this, why would Des Bryant grow up? Rock bottom? No job? Or yeah. is, he just, and, is he so comfortable that it doesn't matter? And maybe that's going to happen. Yeah. But why would he have grown up before today? I agree. I mean, some people are able to do it. But what I'm saying is I, we, can, we can indict him. We can be critical. And I think there's a point to that. But we can also say, if you don't have a great family support system and the society's not making you grow up, I mean, I, last thing I'll say before we go to the break, you know, Ballers is a show which is close to my heart because I was fortunate enough to do a cameo on it last year. Um, but it, re- I'm actually been rewatching it because the new season's coming up. And they really deal with The Rock's character on there he went to Miami U, and it was a situation where he had everything his way. 
And then one day he retired and he didn't have it his way anymore. And I do think they're exploring that in an interesting fashion because these players have things their own way. Why would they grow up? We're straight into Vegas on the way. But first, with the latest, Kevin Figger. All right, guys, a late-night trade on Friday in Major League Baseball as the Brewers acquire former All-Star third baseman Mike Moustakis from the Royals for a couple of prospects. Earlier in the day, the Mets traded shortstop as Drupal Cabrera to the Phillies for prospects as well. As far as action on the field Friday night, Arizona scored all six of their runs in the third inning. They notched a 6-2 win over San Diego. Elsewhere in the NL West, Nolan Arenado hit his 26th home run for the Rockies in a 3-1 win over Oakland as Colorado has now won 14 of their last 19 and trailed the Dodgers by two games in the National League West. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Clayton Kershaw pitched into the eighth inning and drove in two runs for the Dodgers in a 4-1 win over Atlanta. Cole Calhoun had a walk-off home run for the Angels in a 4-3 win over Seattle. Wins for the Cardinals, Nationals, and Red Sox. Back to straight out of Vegas. Rolling on here. You heard it straight out of Vegas. Thank you, Kevin, as we're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. So to get back on the football field, I think there's a third reason the Cowboys quarterback situation with Prescott dropped off last year. The O-line. And to recap the first two reasons is one was the idea of Prescott in a and and again the the distractions and Des Bryant in his ear and all that okay perhaps I also think though that sec, as we talked about that second year playing the defenses get a chance to make you play left handed as Belichick likes to say and a lot of guys that can play very well right handed to extend the analogy can't play well left handed we'll see now does Prescott then have a next move it's his move. This is year three yes. of Dak with the Cowboys. Zeke's back. Dez is gone. Their win total this year is eight and a half. The lean is on the over at minus 125. It's very early, so I'm not asking you for like, hey, best bet, what are the Cowboys going to do? Where would you lean on that? Eight and a half. Well, let's talk about the third reason because I think it informs this. Okay. Why did Prescott have such a good first year, or at least what's a key part of that, was the O-line. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can debate... Was the Cowboys O-line the best or second best or third best? I I think it was top three for sure and probably the best. Now, last year, left tackle out for a big chunk of the year. Aaron Smith got hurt late, and I don't know if he ever got healthy. Also, linemen can get old quick, and you know you got to wonder, and and there's a second lineman. So they've got got four-fifths of their line. Check that. Three-fifths of their line from two years ago is back. Lyle Collins got drafted, so he's been slotted in. So three-fifths is 40% gone. Yeah. And Lyle Collins was a high draft pick. He was supposed to be at some troubles. He slipped, so he's a value guy. They now have him at right tackle. They are working a new left guard. So it's not the same line as it was, you know, as I go through the details, as it was two years ago. So I, I think it makes sense. Now, does Prescott have in him that next move? Where, okay, you were stopping me this way? Well, watch this throw now. Or watch what I do here. And that's why they play the games. Uh, Browns and Bryant. What do you do? They were talking about Des Bryant. Yes. Well, it's now two days ago. Saying, hey, we're going to look at this guy. Now what do you do? Well, listen. I think it's always fun when I actually have a tweet this week that actually backs up 
my opinion here, or at least states my opinion very clearly, which is I said, as a Steelers fan, I wholeheartedly encourage the Browns to sign Dak Prescott. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And here's why. If you have a rock-solid infrastructure, and let's use Randy Moss as the best example, the most successful, is the idea that there's one bad or not again intangible cha- uh, intangibly challenged might be a new phrase player but all of a sudden now it's like no 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 we don't do it that way now they always say do you get the once you have the second guy they're in the corner talking to each other right we can debate that does a, do you really think Hugh Jack one in thirty five no. is that what's his number is it one it's what one in thirty one yep. <laughs> one in 31 Hugh has any kind of, or he has some infrastructure, but obviously the ownership, the GM. I mean, listen, you're I, right. You're so right on this. You know what? Six hours ago, I was like, yeah, Browns need him. And now I'm thinking about it. One, if Des Bryant's on that team and starts raising a ruckus, you may have a quarterback controversy on your hands because the number one could be nipping at the heels of Tyrod Taylor. And more important than that, you just mentioned it. I already thought Hugh Jackson was a lame duck. They brought in Todd Haley from the Steelers. Todd Haley might be the next coach. Hugh Jackson, if they get off to a bad start, if they're two and six through eight, he's gone. You need Des Bryant sitting there stirring the pot around all this. Now, if they were one player away right. from a potential Super Bowl run, you roll the dice. But the Browns most likely, if they do uh, become competitive at a Super Bowl level, it won't be this year and it won't be next year. Now, you could make the case it could be the third season from now. Well, you think Des Bryant's going to be contributing at that point? So, so you're, if anything, you're bringing in a guy that might help you win a game or two, <laughs> yeah. which I'm not even sure how much you want to win that way because it's going to hurt your draft choice. Why not play your young players and make it about the culture? And I don't think anybody thinks that because, listen, where would you think Des would want to go? Patriots? Every place he wants Green to go. Green Bay? Yep, keep going. New Orleans? Yep. I mean, the places... You mentioned the Giants. Great quarter. Well, I'm not sure that... I mean, that's a mid-level team, but every place he wanted to go basically said, you know what, don't call us. We'll call you down the road. So what we're saying is just in a generic sense, a a veteran with questionable intangibles may make sense, certainly more sense for a team that's one player away from the Super Bowl. If those teams said no, they must think he has nothing left on the field or they really have a negative opinion of Dez's intangibles. So the fact that, or the idea it would make sense for the Browns, who are less suited for that kind of player right now, it just seems like another bad decision, if they do do it, for a franchise that makes many bad decisions. On the way back, let's get to the press conference of the week. Belichick already at it. Dan Shaughnessy trying to get an answer about Malcolm Butler, and we'll get a... I thought an awesome take from Colin on Speak for Yourself. Break that down, because Colin is very concerned about how Belichick is handling this. It's up next, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas. And this is the slow time of year. We're, we're almost out of time. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. A great discussion we have on the way tomorrow. We've got two hours on Saturday nights, 10 o'clock Pacific. I thought the... Well, first of all, the hubbub around Belichick v. the Boston media over Malcolm Butler, still not answering what happened in the Super Bowl 
That's awesome. And I thought Whitlock and Coward had a great discussion about it. Great discussion. Yeah, if we had an extra hour tonight, I was going to go into my senior prom. But <laughs> we don't have, you know, we don't really have a chance. So we'll, we will do the Belichick. This fascinates me because there's two narratives, or I think two kinds of storylines with these all-time greats as they get older. One is the games pass them by, and Woody Hayes being the best example of that. A guy that, growing up in Ohio, you can't, no one could be more revered than Woody Hayes. Even after the punch, it didn't matter, right? But in the end, he was so frustrated, he's punching a player. Think about that. A Chuck Noah, I was on with Mark Malone today, I do his show every Friday, and the Steelers made one conference final in, in Chuck Noll's last 14 years as coach. Right? So the game passed him by, you would have to say, or at least he wasn't elite anymore. But with Belichick, it feels like he's still elite. But the question is this, has the culture passed him by? Yes. And the concern is, has he talked to the team to explain what happened with Butler around that Super Bowl? And Colin said, hey, you better talk to at least one guy. I have a problem if Belichick's never talked to Brady about it. Me, I don't care. I mean, I ask questions. You guys don't want to answer them. I don't care. I get that. But I do think you have to sit down with Tom and give him five minutes because I believe all religions need a face. Tom's the face of Belichick's religion. My way. Do your job. That sells because Tom is the face. Tim Duncan was the face of Popovich. Popovich, get over yourself. Well, Tim Duncan's the best player. He's selling the religion. Duncan's gone. What's happened to the Spurs locker room? Brady's no longer absolutely devoted to Belichick. Amendola, Gronk takes shots. Bill better address this. Every coach needs a star to sell his message. Bill's message isn't very good without Tom. Yeah, Collins picked this thread up and give him all the credit in the world. He had the interview with Daniels, the, the Spurs. Antonio Daniels, yeah. Yeah, and Daniels said, hey, uh, Duncan in that locker room was the evangelist to kind of extend the religious analogy. So Popovich does something, and again, hypothetically, people are peed off about. But Duncan, multiple-time MVP, the rings are clanging on his fingers, and he pats him on the head and said, don't worry about it. This is the way we do things here. Now, Duncan's gone, and all of a sudden, no one's there to be the evangelist, and I think that's an issue. Now, or a problem for the Spurs. The question is, is Brady that evangelist? And if he's discontented, does that mean more than we might think? Here's my thought. Guys like Belichick, they will never back down because of the principle. And whenever we talk about uh, dynamics between people, I'll often bring up President Trump because unequivocally, if you're on the left or right or in between or whatever you are, it's undebatable that President Trump figured something out about communications to be able to be the first non-politician to win the presidency since Eisenhower, if you want to say that, though obviously as a general after World War II, it was a whole different story. And one of the things Trump will not do is apologize. And you might say, well, boy, when you're wrong... You should apologize. And if you just asked me, hey, if you're wrong, should you apologize? I would say, yeah, for sure. Right. But there's something about apologizing that Trump feels like if I get to decide when to apologize, I'll do it. 
But if the media is going to try to force me to apologize, the minute I let them force me to do anything is the minute I give them the power. Belichick might (laughs) think he's wrong here. I don't know what he thinks. He's thinking on another football level than me. But even if he thought he's wrong, does it open a Pandora's box to start apologizing for quote-unquote mistakes. And if so, I think Belichick is the type. And in this case, it's not apologizing for the mistake. It's explaining himself. Right. When has Bill Belichick ever explained himself? So question for you. Did Belichick learn from Trump, or did Trump learn from Belichick? I think these are themes that's been I think Belichick's the original Trump. (laughs) Well, remember... (laughs) People people are flabbergasted by this, but Kraft was one of the big was a huge Trump supporter, yeah. and Belichick wrote a letter to Trump, and and, and during the campaign, yeah. and he read it during one, and everyone thought Trump was just making up the letter, no. which is kind of interesting. And guess what? When Belichick was asked to explain it, he was not going to explain it. Uh, great news! There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15 percent or more on car insurance. Lakers prop up on the board. So real quick, though, because I do think this is worth explaining uh, in 10 seconds, and not that I'm an authority on this stuff, but a lot of these concepts have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's just in the social media age, the ability to communicate in a certain way can have so much more effect than it would have had 100 or 200 years ago. Lakers prop offshore. Will the Lakers win a title while LeBron James is around in this contract? 2022. Four years. All right, so remember, he's got an out after three, but this yep. is a four-year bet regardless. Yes, Lakers win a title in the next four years, plus 165. No, minus 185. So that means clearly, now think about this, guys. Clearly, the betting market right now feels like the Lakers winning a title in the next four years is an underdog, and not a small underdog, is a fairly, not uh, let's just say a moderate underdog. You know what I'm doing now, right? I'm going around town to get some money, beat some people up. I need 50 bucks to pay off Fezzik on that Tiger Woods bet that I made last week on air. All right, we're going to have uh, the payoff <laughs> tomorrow, and we're going to have a new, a new feature, the undercover best bet, which is when a media guy has an opinion on a team or teams, and it's really a best bet, and they don't necessarily know it. We got five best bets from Colin Cowherd on NFL team totals. We're breaking them down tomorrow. God, it would have been so sweet. I had Tiger Woods at 50-1. to 1. He was in the lead on the 11th hole in the final round. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock Pacific. Jonas Knox is on the way right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.